1: That's eight hundred seven eight eight fourteen ninety five.
2: You guys, it's Rick. T-
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. How you doing? I turned into Joey from there How you doing? How was your All-Star Game uh, experience? Pretty cool. Uh, pretty, I mean, it's just fun, isn't it? I mean, you think about the top of the first. Otani says, I'm going to swing at the first pitch and get a hit, and then he does... And then he gets picked off by a mile, and then there's a the bottom half. There's just the slickest behind-the-back double play. There's just a lot of smiles, you know. And it's a uh, it's a a fantastic way of just reminding us of why we love this game so much. And there were a lot of new faces. I would like, you know, I think a lot of these guys weren't household names yet, which I think is. is really cool. So we can talk about that. We've also got guests. When do we not? We're going to have an author on the other side of this break talking cryptocurrency, which I know everybody wants to hear about. We also have a movie director coming up this hour. Second hour, though, then we start start getting into the sports. Tracy McGrady, the Hall of Famer. Also, Tim Meadows is back. He went like seven years in between appearances, and now he's on twice in a month. Uh, Yogi Roth, he's listed as Yogi Ruth, no uh, relation to Babe. Yogi Roth will be on. He's a Pac-12 analyst. We'll also talk to someone in India about cricket. And Alex Horn, who is a huge name in England, he created the Horn section. He also created the show Taskmaster, which is back yet again. Alex Horn is going to join us at 1140 Pacific Time. Call me up 1-800-878-PLAY 1-800-878-7529 and um, Twitter is at Rick Tittle the email rick at sportsbyline.com We got three hours. Come on back.
4: Right now, you deserve the network more people rely on. That's why we're introducing Welcome Unlimited for just $30 a line per month for four lines with auto pay plus taxes and fees. Our best-priced unlimited plan ever. Did he say $30? Yep, $30 a line for the whole family. The network you want, the price you love. Switch to Verizon today. Paper-free billing required. Unlimited 5G nationwide, 4G LTE. In times of congestion, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. All smartphone lines on the account must be on Welcome Unlimited and are eligible only for select promotions. It includes domestic talk, text, and data usage only. Data roaming at 2G speeds.
1: That's
0: 800-391-8713. No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How would you like to learn the secrets to lose 3 to 5 pounds a week easily without joining the gym or going through any crazy diets? It's called Body Sculpt by Med Diet. For the last two decades, we've been helping people just like you that have pounds they want to shed. We've helped millions of people lose thousands and thousands of pounds over the years. And now it's your turn. Learn the secrets of how to lose weight with one simple phone call. You'll see an amazing difference in a matter of days. Don't believe us. We'll offer you a money-back guarantee. If you're ready to start losing weight right now... Call right now to learn more about your risk-free order to Body Sculpt.
1: Call for your risk-free offer. 800-738-5332. 800-738-5332. 800-738-5332. That's 800-738-5332.
6: Wendy's nose cold and soggy fries are the worst. So soggy. That's why we're serving up hot and crispy fries all day, every day. And all night, until close. With natural cut potatoes, sea salted to perfection. Show me that potato skin. Wendy's Hot and Crispy aren't like other fries. We're your dream fry. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's Hot and Crispy Fries.
7: Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. If yours aren't, bring them back and we'll replace them.
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tiller with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. I know you sports fans out there are very much into cryptocurrency, and we know that values on cryptocurrency are reaching some pretty scary low points. And everybody was in, and now is everybody getting out? I don't know. Let's ask our uh, next guest, Tom Tom Wheelwright. He has written a book called The Win-Win Wealth Strategy, Seven Investments the Government Will Pay You to Make. First of all, Tom, welcome to the show. I know you're a CPA, and when I was in college, they used to say that that was the one major, that there would never be a recession, that we'd always need people to work at the mortuary and, and CPAs. Is that true?
2: Absolutely. It is totally recession-proof.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, seven investments the government will pay you to make. That's that's a bold statement. Where are we going with this?
2: Well, so anybody who's ever gotten a paycheck knows that the government's your partner, right? So <laughs> the only thing that we don't know is that you don't have to be a silent partner. You can actually be an active partner with the government. There are certain things the government wants you to do, and if you in- invest... The way the government wants you to invest, they'll literally pay you to make that investment, primarily through tax incentives.
3: So what I understand is since crypto isn't under the IRS's jurisdiction, you can sell your holdings at a loss, claim the loss, and then rebuy the holding. How does that work? Yeah, so if
2: if, if you were to own Tesla stock and you sold it at a loss today and then you bought it back tomorrow, You wouldn't get to claim that loss. That's called a wash sale. You have to wait 31 days to buy Tesla back. If you had to wait 31 days to buy crypto back, you're never going to sell it because who knows what's going to happen in 31 days, right? So the rule right now in crypto is you can literally sell Bitcoin today at a loss, buy it back an hour from now, and claim the loss on your tax return.
3: Now, what is the incentive to do that? Uh, that, that? Is it a game? Is it kind of like flipping so a it, house in an a, hour?
2: It, so it, it's it's a capital loss. So, for example, let's say, remember that we actually have assets that are tax assets. They're called losses. And so let's say you bought that, that Bitcoin at 50000 and you sell it at twenty five. You have a $25,000 loss. You're just not recognizing that for tax purposes. You're getting no tax benefit from that loss. It happened but you're not getting a tax benefit. If you sell it, you recognize the loss, and now you get the tax benefit.
3: Is this the type of thing where you think, wow, yeah, you know, i got to go to grad school to figure this out, or is this something so simple you just wonder why not everybody's doing it?
2: It is so simple you just go, well, people must not know about it because, I mean, literally millions of people bought Bitcoin or ETH high, um, much higher than it is now. They could sell it. You've got a transaction cost, obviously, right? Because it costs you to sell, it costs you to buy. But that transaction cost is far less, typically, than the tax benefit. So uh, imagine if you get that loss, and you're in a thirty percent tax bracket. You you get a ten thousand dollar loss in a thirty percent tax bracket. That's a that's a three thousand dollar tax benefit.
3: Now, what about the very concerning things about stories about? You know, this guy died and he didn't leave his password, or this guy's looking in a dump for his hard drive. I mean, what what about all that stuff?
2: Those are serious issues, and, you know, so that's why we have crypto exchanges like um, Coinbase, right? Uh, The challenge with the, the, the exchanges is sometimes they pledge your money and they go out of business, and then you're completely sunk. So, you know, the question is, do you make it easy Right, and then you're on a on an exchange like Coinbase, or do you make it safe and secure where you have your own wallet? And that's, you know, that's a personal decision, but it's it's a challenging one because if you lose that password, you're done. You don't. uh, There's no way to recover that that uh, cryptocurrency.
3: And then the whole thing. I remember when uh, Bitcoin came out here in San Francisco, and I was talking to someone, and they said, "Yeah, we don't really know." who invented it, we don't really know what it is, and it's just sort of that mystery of, like, you know, you're not having a promissory note for a piece of gold, you know. What, what, is, what is, I know this is a dumb question and a complicated question, what is cryptocurrency?
2: You know what? It, it, there, there really is no there there. I, I mean, that's what you're saying, right? There's no there there. There isn't. But the reality is the only thing that gives a dollar value is the, prom, is, is the fact that we have to pay our taxes, in dollars that's why dollars have values because we have to pay taxes in dollars therefore you know people will use dollars Bitcoin that's not the case and so what Bitcoin is is it's really just a computer algorithm that basically says okay we have a, a left side of the ledger and a right side of the ledger but every single time that there's a transaction it's verified by everybody else who owns Bitcoin and so there's, there's a constant verification going on. This is what blockchain is. Blockchain is simply a left side of the ledger, a right side of the ledger, and an auditor. That's all blockchain is. And Bitcoin is just an, a use of blockchain that says, look, this is verified. We know it's there because it has to be there because that's the way it's built. So it's intrinsically there instead of somebody else saying, well, how do I know, for example, if I have that note, how do I know that they're going to pay? Well, I don't know. But with Bitcoin, you do know because it is it that's the way it's built in the first place.
3: I know you got around so last question for you. The seven investments you say on the title of the book what what to you is your favorite one? Business
2: by far um and and I spend a lot of time on business it It's the easiest thing to get into the government will literally the tax savings from starting a business in your home are greater than the cost of starting the business. In other words, you can reduce your taxes from your job or from any other income you have enough to offset the cost of starting a business. And I go through that example in the book. So to me, business is, you know, you're worried about inflation. You're worried about, you know, making money. You're worried about having enough. Start a business. Let the government pay for you to start your business. And then you continue to get tax incentives and you continue to, you know, do things that are you know, pretty fun, Sol- solve-, solve somebody's problems and uh, do a, have a business.
3: There he is, Tom Wheelwright, and uh, the man behind WealthAbility. He has written a new book just out here, about a week old. It's called The Win-Win Wealth Strategy, Seven Investments the Government Will Pay You to Make. Tom, congratulations on the book. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Rick. Alright, and um, once again, I understood about a tenth of what he said. It's just, <laughs> when I was in college, as I would try to work a job for a few weeks to get enough money for a plane ticket to go to Europe and get a URL pass. And I did that three times. Twice was at a shoe store, two different shoe stores at malls, one at the El Cerdo Plaza, one at the Hilltop Mall in Richmond. And then one time I was a clerk at the Bank Investment Securities Division uh, at Bank of America, sixth floor world headquarters down here on California and Sansom, or Montgomery, I guess. And I put on a, I was like 20 years old, I'd wear a suit, I'd take BART, and I was like, ah, this is kinda cool, you know, I'm looking good, and then after about two days, I realized that this was just mind-numbing garbage to sit in a cubicle and to deal with other people's money and then just take these files, and I was dealing with these Grand Cayman accounts, and you just see all these rich people just throwing all their money offshore and as I said, I had to wait 24 hours just to get to my 10, 15, 15-minute 15 break. And that's when I knew putting on a suit and suit and sitting in a cubicle, I'd probably be really rich if I kept doing it. Mind-numbing. <laughs> All right. Um, at least Tom had a lot of energy there because cryptocurrency to me is a snoozer. Welcome to Sports Byline USA. We'll talk a little All-Star game on the other side. Come on back. Rick Tittle with you.
5: I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. If you've had a revision or removal surgery of a hernia mesh implant after 2008, pay close attention to this message. Hernia mesh manufacturers have recalled some of the mesh material that may have been used in your surgery due to high failure rate. The FDA has even blamed the recalled mesh material for some of the worst of the health issues reported by doctors and patients. If you've had two or more hernia surgeries for the same issue and you're having severe complications, call the legal helpline now. You could receive a free cash award and have your medical expenses covered. And there's no upfront cost to you. They only get paid if you win. So please call now.
1: 800-817-2968. 817 2968 800 817 2968. That's 800 817 2968.
9: You spent over a decade in the Middle East, and I just wanted to say that I'm a great fan of your work.
10: Well,
7: thank you very much.
9: Don't interrupt me, please. (laughs) What
11: did I just say? Do you?
12: You must be crazy. a a D-O-G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: This is what had happened, y'all. 1-800-878-PLAY. This is how you get in and this is how you get heard. Wherever you might happen to be in this great land of ours or so-so eh, foreign lands, this is why we're all here. <clears throat> to get down and check it out. Yeah. The all-star game, as Mel Allen used to say. My old friend uh, Reza used to work here. He used to point that out. The all-star game. I guess it is true. It is an all-star game. Not a great night for St. Mary's College. I mean, it is. It is. it was a great night. Because one of our own, Tony Gonsolin, pitched. He already has a World Series ring. But now he's pitched in an all-star game. And he lost. (laughs) It was a good day for Ace fans as Paul Blackburn pitched the fourth inning scoreless, and he got a hold. He got a hold on you. And I think it's pretty interesting when you look at whenever you have a pitcher, of course, who is going to get a win in the third inning like Valdez did, This is after McClanahan gave up the only two runs that the National League got. Goldschmidt with a home run. You think, ooh, this guy's going to be the MVP. But after that, it was goose eggs. Manoa pitched the second, Valdez the third. He ended up with the win. Blackburn, the fourth, Perez the fifth, Cortez the sixth, Lopez the seventh, uh, and then Soto also the seventh. And then uh, the eighth was Holmes and Hendricks, and then Clayes got the save in the ninth, and pretty amazing job by the American League not to let that get out of hand and uh, bounce back and just end the fun for the NL in the top of the uh, the top of the first inning. But here's the thing: Blackburn gets an All Star Game hold. Perez hold. Cortez hold. Lopez hold. Soto hold. Holmes, hold. Hendricks, hold. (laughs) Tell me the last time you saw a game with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven holds. (laughs) It just doesn't happen. I mean, I guess it could. But, yeah, the American League on those home runs by Giancarlo Stanton and Byron Buxton were able to squeak it out three to two. We were talking yesterday yesterday. On uh, to our friend from AgainstTheNumber.com about taking the under, that the pitching is just too good. I just talked about all those guys getting a hold, people coming in throwing gas. And at the dish, it's hard to make contact outside of those three home runs. You know, it's uh, Kershaw, <clears throat> as I mentioned, Shoei Otani, first pitch single, picked him off. But then Mookie Betts, RBI single for the home crowd, and the solo home run by Goldschmidt. And Shane McClanahan came out of the game giving up uh, four hits. But um, as I said, the American League now takes their winning streak up to nine. The junior circuit in the last 25 All-Star games, which are probably the ones you remember in your life, Dominic, 21-4 and is the AL. Now, that said, the National League dominated the All-Star game my whole childhood. (laughs) It just did. And so all time if you care, 47, 43, and 2 to the AL. Next year, the All-Star Game will be in Seattle, not uh, at Safeco, but T Mobile Park, unless they change their name again. But the going into the fourth inning with one on and one out, Tony Gonsolin of the home team Dodgers got 0-2 on Stanton and threw a splitter that didn't really split. And Stanton now, um, who joined Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter as Yankees to win All-Star Game MVPs. And, I mean, the thing is, when we talk so much about Aaron Judge, we forget about Stanton. He was Aaron Judge before Aaron Judge, and he's still in his prime. It's just as he's had injuries. Remember when the Marlins got hit in the face? This guy is a monster, and in many ways, much more of a bigger name than Aaron Judge was, and they got both these guys. Talk about Bronx Bombers, but yeah, uh, Gonsolin, that third pitch was just a hanger, and as soon as he threw it, almost before he swung, he was kind of like, oh no, 457 feet, crushed 111.7 Miles per hour. That is the hardest hit ball in all-star game history. And so I think at that point, um, Gonsolin was like, damn it, I gave up the lead. And then he threw a letter-high fastball to Buxton, who just tomahawked it into the crowd. And we've seen that happen time immemorial. A pitcher will be going fine, or not even going fine. He'll give up a home run, and he's rattled, and he's thinking about it. And that's what I think would happen with Gonsolin, because it was a— a pitch where, I mean, he was probably trying to climb the ladder, but it was a, like I said, it was chest high. Reggie Jackson used to say when I worked TV broadcast, and he was the the color commentary guy, he used to say, it's fence high, all you have to do is hit it. And I was like, huh? But those two clouts made it the first back-to-back home run games, uh, back-to-back home runs in four years. Alex Bregman and George Springer, both with the Strohs, did it in uh, 2018. But consider this, the importance of those two home runs are unprecedented because they are the first players in all-star game history to go back-to-back homers, one to tie the game and one to go ahead. And by the way, those two guys so far have 47 home runs. Remember, Byron Buxton was, you know, the guy who what was he number two overall pick and Gold Glover, but always hurt. And now last year he stayed healthy, and one of the reasons why <clears throat> the Twins will probably win that Central by attrition, but we'll see. Chicago and even the Guardians are nipping at their heels, but <laughs> I almost think like with Otani too, he was like. Yeah, I'm swinging at the first pitch. Boom, single, right up the middle. And Otani, the third player in Major League Baseball history, or I should say All-Star Game history, to get a hit on the first pitch of the All-Star Game. Mike Trout and Kirby Puckett were the other ones, 13-86. and And I think he got to first base. It's just me. I think he got to first base, and he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to steal. I got 26 steals. I'm just going to, whoop. Yeah, now some people will say throwing a a, a pickoff throw in an All Star game ain't cool. That would be like doing a shift during the All Star game. Are you kidding? Why not, Carlos Zambrano? Remember that madman, that headhunter? He picked off Uncle Milty Milton Bradley in '08, but you know he did not pitch. Did Otani? And so you can say that might be a fine in kangaroo court, but. No, somebody's taking a big lead. Why would you let them take a big lead? And then the Yankees, they're two unlikely all-stars, uh, of course, our catcher Jose uh, Jose Trevino, who I talked about yesterday, and the lefty Nestor Ernesto Cortez. Trevino came in uh, from the Rangers in that minor trade, and Cortez uh, was cut from their minors and then re-signed. But in the sixth inning, they teamed up the American League's battery, and they were mic'd up, and we got to hear them joke around through the pitch selection. And Cortez, with his red, white, and blue American flag glove, which is illegal in regular games, he has to be all one color, he did the Louis Tion turnaround deal. Um, But what we didn't get to see is the new tiebreaker format, because earlier this week, MLB announced that all-star game ties would be uh, decided by a home run derby. This is what they've experimented with in the Pioneer League. They started it last year which is an Indy League, but MLB-affiliated Indy League. And so if the score had been tied after nine, each team selects three batters, and each of them get three swings. And whoever has the most home runs wins. Um, That new wrinkle, of course, was met with great enthusiasm from uh, fans, and a lot of us, I think, were hoping for a tie last night. But in the eighth, the NL managed their first hit since the first inning when Austin Riley singled to write off Clay Holmes to lead off. But um, that was it. And how about – these are the names like Emmanuel Claes. Did you know that name? Did you know he was a closer for the Indians? Now, if we had tied, the AL said it would have been Ty France, Julio Rodriguez, and Kyle Tucker for the AL – and then the NL would be Pete Alonso, Ronald Acuna, and Kyle Schwarber. I would have thought that 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 National League lineup, I mean, you got the first and second seeds from the home run derby and another guy in the home run derby, Ty France and Kyle Tucker. Eek. Julio Rodriguez, yeah. But that would have been advantage NL uh, for sure. And by the way, when you talk about trophies, like I love the Heisman Trophy, the gold glove is great, but the MVP of the All-Star game, the Crystal Bat. How awesome is that? That's like something from a video game. A real-sized see-through crystal baseball bat. And then your kids take out BP with it and smash it. Alright, I'm Rick Tittle. When we come back, we will talk to Michael Chait, filmmaker. I'm Rick Tittle, we'll see you in a
11: second. <laughs> In der Falls, ich lieb dich nun mal. Jeden Berg, jedes Tag, Heimatland, du mein schönes Felserland.
12: Wol- Thanks everyone for baking your way here on this toasty morning. Are you all ready to jam? Excellent. Before we get rolling, let's start by hashing out everything bagel will be discussing. Profit margarines are okay, but they could maybe be butter. Sorry, I don't mean to waffle. Next quarter, it's all or muffin.
13: Did you have a question, sausage
12: patty?
0: Um, my name's Patricia.
13: When you can't take your mind off breakfast, it matters where you stay. Delicious breakfast available at our Hilton family of brands. Hilton for the stay
15: if you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation.
1: Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's 800-732-9635. Staples has
15: everything for school at great prices. So this year you won't go back to school. You'll be ready to move forward and build that papier-mâché volcano.
12: I am not cleaning this up.
15: Ooh, yeah, I meant the kids. Staples will help them move forward. Right now, Crayola 10-count markers and 12-count colored pencils are just 99 cents each. And Staples' one-subject notebooks are only 35 cents. Everything on your list at amazing prices. Staples, we're not going back. We're going forward to school. Ends Zay 27 in-store only limit 30.
3: I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic. Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. Or an art critic. That painting is bad.
12: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: All right. Uh, I'll take it, I guess. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on American Forces Network. And uh, we uh, welcome back to the show filmmaker Michael Chait. That's because his World War II air combat movie, Wolfhound, has uh, been released on uh, Blu ray. And, um, Michael, welcome to the show. Uh, we've had uh, some actors on from the movie as well. What type of reception have you gotten now that it's out there for people to get their eyeballs upon?
16: Well, Rick, first of all, thank you for having me again. And uh, honestly, it's been it's been a whirlwind of mostly really great reception. Uh, there's been a lot of people that uh, have given... Uh, A lot of kind comments, especially to the aerial action, uh, to the scale of the movie as a whole. Um, uh, You know, the style, the story, the characters, just like everything that we tried to do, making it a a larger-than-life 80s, 90s action movie combined with World War II. Uh, Most people have gotten that. Uh, Some people thought it was going to be a documentary and were surprised. But most people have been really digging it, and the ones that really picked up on the vibe we were going for have, have really enjoyed the film.
3: You know, I was looking at some of the aircraft, and especially the, the B-17. It looks so shiny, like almost brand new, and I was just thinking, whoever loaned that to you was thinking, don't hurt my plane, right? <laughs>
16: <laughs> uh, that and then some. Yeah, that was the Yankee Air Museum out of Ypsilanti, Michigan, and uh, they were very generous and very protective as well uh they they basically had a you can fly it but you can't do anything else like to it so all of the the pyrotechnics that happen inside the plane were digitally composited in by our awesome visual effects supervisor ryan Irvin. uh all we could do inside there was put a little smoke and haze for atmosphere so like every little spark or bullet or just like even the machine guns on the the waste guns of the plane, that all had to be uh, digitally added. But, uh, yeah, that, that plane is like the crown jewel uh, of the movie in terms of aircraft.
3: Now, this is based on a real story where the uh, Luftwaffe would get a captured hurricane or spitfire, what have you, and fly alongside, and you go, oh, it's a friendly, and then they got close enough to attack, right?
16: Yeah, they they tried to do that uh, quite often, Um, I I think especially towards the end of the war, but they never fully succeeded. And there's been debate among movie watchers uh, and some historians that have been saying, oh, that didn't happen, oh, wait a minute, that's not verified. But it actually did, and there have been a lot of stories, uh, both from the military in general and from, you know, uh, aviators and soldiers even on the ground, about being Traced by, you know, an Allied plane captured and flowed by Nazis, or they tried to join formation and were scared off. So they absolutely did try to do what we depict in the movie. Our movie is just much more of a what if they actually succeeded, what if they got a lot closer.
3: So what was the biggest challenge for you outside of making sure you didn't hurt the B-17? What were some of the things, you know, you said you, there was a lot of uh, action that was done in post, but, you know, to to to, to make it seem... Uh, you know, because we're used to some really great air combat movies. And, and what were some of those challenges?
16: Well, the biggest challenge w- was the aerials, for sure. Uh, and we had seven aircraft. Uh, we had B-17, B-25 bomber, Spitfire Hurricane 2P-51, two two and uh, an ME-109, which is actually real and one of only uh, three German-built ones left flying in the world. Mm getting those aircraft in the air all at the same time, coordinating them, filming them uh, with Craig Hosking, who did Dunkirk uh, with Christopher Nolan. That was, I mean, that was a movie in itself, and about 45 minutes out of the two hours is in the air. So that was a significant challenge. Like 99% of what you see is the real deal, uh, which is augmented by the visual effect. The second most difficult thing was the action on the ground, because I love John Woo movies and Michael Bay movies and just everything larger than life. So you know, real big gasoline explosions, guys on ratchets and wires, uh, lots of lots of gunfire. I think we fired over four thousand rounds of ammo in just a couple weeks. Uh, it was it was a pretty big undertaking, but thankfully we had a great crew. Everyone was kept safe, uh, and it, it pretty much went off uh, as as smoothly as a low, lower budget. Film can go.
3: A <laughs> <laughs> couple more questions for film director Michael Chait, the new movie Wolfhound on Blu ray. Who uh, who loaned you the Messerschmitt? Where did you get that one?
16: That was from the Military Aviation Museum down in Virginia Beach, and uh, they have an amazing collection of aircraft down there. Uh, and that ME 109 was actually crashed in Russia hmm. during World War II, and to repair it, it actually took. Like bits and pieces from four other m e one o nines to like fully put together a fully functional airplane, but it was all original parts from the original plane so that's that's why that aircraft is so unique uh is that it's five aircraft in one, but it's also again one of the only Nazi fighter planes still flying today and uh it's it was it was a little eerie filming with it, just knowing that like that was a real mm. you know artifact from world war ii that the bad guys uh were using uh but um we tried to make it look as scary and uh as for formidable as possible on the screen and i think it worked
3: no it's very cool and you mentioned the p-51s the mustangs with the rolls royce engines those were our, our pride and joy and um i mean how cool is it for those pilots to get at the stick of one of those
16: oh uh they loved it uh i think the pilots we had first of all they're uh, all with the museums, either with the Yankee Air Museum or the Military Aviation Museum. Uh, they're all aces. I mean, everything they were doing, uh, I can't get over, you know, how immaculate and just how, uh, you know, just dead on the flying was. Uh, the, the P-51s especially, though, when they, when they make that whistling noise, when they're doing like a heavy G-pulling maneuver, they pull up right over your head. Uh, I kept telling the sound designers like more whistle, need more more P fifty one whistle sound effects <laughs> in the movie because it's just it's so iconic and it's so, I mean yeah those are those are you know some people still say the most gorgeous mm-hmm. perfect fighter plane ever built uh, and we we really tried to show them off.
3: No doubt. Now with the Blu Ray um, deleted and extended scenes, what what made it to the uh, the cutting room floor that you wanted to keep?
16: Well, you know, the movie originally uh, it's a two-hour and nine-minute runtime. It used to be two thirty-seven, and uh, I had to kind of get a wake-up call from from several studio executives and close friends who reminded me, "You really got to make this a two-hour movie. This is too long." Uh, so, what ended up being left in the deleted scenes was like the finest moments of either, you know, some great little acting beats, a uh, little more character development and information i would have loved to keep in the movie but just we we ran out of time uh there's a little more action there's like a cat and mouse scene between james maslow and trevor donovan's characters in the woods uh of the um uh the mid part of the movie uh that we really wanted to keep in but again we just had to cut it for time uh and then just a couple more little details in the cockpits but Thankfully, uh, all the best stuff is definitely in the film, but I think that the deleted scenes are pretty cool to check out, especially for aspiring filmmakers just to see, like, you know, oh, that didn't make it in, and, and just, like, the reasons why. You know, I think that'd be uh, a pretty cool thing to see.
3: There he is, Michael Chait, and uh, director-producer of Wolfhound, uh, now available on Blu-ray with the extras I mentioned uh, as behind the scenes uh, as well. Michael, congratulations on the film. Thanks for stopping by.
16: Thank you so much, man. It was uh, great to be on again, and I hope to talk to you in the future.
3: All right, good stuff. And um, <clears throat> for me, as a history buff, you know, it's pretty vital that it's uh, as legit as it possibly can be. And we all didn't fight in World War II. I don't know, maybe if you're listening, you did as a 18-year-old, and bless you. Uh, But uh, all we can go off of uh, is what we know historically. And so a lot of times, you know, especially these low-budget movies or people who just don't care, you know, you'll have a movie where these guys are in the same unit and they're wearing different colored uniforms or their shirt is different than their pants. Almost always my beef now with new war movies is that everything is brand new. (laughs) the jackets the the shirts you know the belts the gun it's just like it's straight out of not even a museum but straight out of just uh the factory i think these combat vets are all just so pristine and i know they did have to muster and they had gq where they had to uh make sure that they (laughs) weren't (laughs) uh too filthy and policing your mustache oh it's funny police that mustache police yeah police but um i remember <clears throat> especially as a world war 1 guy and i just spent probably 10 years of just reading world war 1 books and i was watching a movie and it began and it said the 11th hour of the 11th day 11th month 1919 i'm like well i'm out you already got the date wrong i'm like how it's one thing i've always thought especially when it comes to video games All it would take is one person fluent in English to grammar check. (laughs) Just grammar. I remember I bought a game, and I bought it because I was interested in playing it on the Nintendo NES. But I was also um, fascinated that it was called Eight Eyes, E-Y-E apostrophe S. It was Eight Eyes. (laughs) I have a buddy, his last name's Carter, and every year for Christmas, the card always says from the Carters, R apostrophe S. Look, I'm no grammarian, but the fact that people think that you add that in to make it plural is hilarious. There's this gas station I used to go to in high school on a big sign that said cigarettes, E apostrophe S. <laughs> I can't take it. All right, you know what we should do is just go to a break before I meander off on some other subject. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
1: 800-754-4531. 800-754-4531 That's 800-754-4531 Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine?
5: This is a National Health Care Alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy.
12: Cares about anything else when you've got Rick Tittle on the radio.
3: Thank you for that. We still got another couple of hours to go. Tracy McGrady, Tim Meadows, and Yogi Roth all in the next hour. Um, the draft is over and we'll talk more about it as we go. <clears throat> the day three picks, of course, are not huge. Maybe they will be. But the Dodgers, near the end of the draft, took Jared Karros, a pitcher from UCLA. His dad, of course, Eric, was an all-star with the Dodgers and is now part of the broadcast team. The Brewers, at pick 552, took Gerangelo Kintji from Champagnon Catholic School in Florida. Once again, Gerangelo Kintji, he is a switch pitcher. Remember Pat Venditti with the A's and some others, ambidextrous pitcher? He throws 96 with his right hand, 92 with his left, <clears throat> and he's a natural southpaw, I know. Um, and then, are you familiar with the Savannah Bananas? That's right, the Savannah, great name, Savannah Bananas. They are an indie team in the Coastal Plain League, P-L-A-I-N, Play League. They have a lot of zany and elaborate celebrations and annex and promotions and weird stuff. But a guy named Joe Miller, who pitched at Penn, the Ivy Leaguer, went late to the Tigers. He did throw in the Cape Cod League. And then almost near the very end of the draft, the Orioles took a guy named Jared Back, a pitcher from St. Leo University. And he's worth noting because he's seven feet tall, if he made it, he'd be the tallest in history. That distinction right now is from uh, Sean Jelly and John Rausch, who were both six foot 11. He had a 395 ERA last year for the St. Leo Lions. Of course, they're the lions. And the scouting report was his delivery was surprisingly clean for someone of that crazy height. And uh, the Orioles someday will say, "How did that guy last so long?" Jared Beck went that late in the draft. This is a cool thing to talk about later. All right. We have another two hours to go. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We'll listen to some news, conservative news, and then we'll come back on Sports Byline USA. <laughs>
17: radio news with
18: Lance Pride. Dan Cox, a Republican endorsed by President Trump, won Tuesday's Republican primary for Maryland governor. It's one of several GOP primaries across the country in which Democrats have put money on. The mentality is they would be easier GOP candidates to defeat. Dan Cox as recorded by WJZ CBS 13.
8: People are tired of what's going on right now with the Biden administration. They're looking for leadership to make things happen for their families and that's what our campaign is doing that's what we're going to do the next um, few months here we're going to make sure that we restore the power to the people.
18: Republicans have sided with Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives to pass a bill that would boost legal protections for same-sex marriages. Firefighters in France, Portugal, Spain and the U.K. continued to battle raging wildfires that have forced thousands to flee and caused several deaths. USA Radio News.
12: Wendy Bell here for my friends at Swiss America. Did you know the U.S. Constitution authorizes only two forms of legitimate money, gold and silver? That's right. But our government abandoned gold and silver a half century ago. Meanwhile, gold and silver prices have rocketed in recent years due to growing economic uncertainty. So, to help my listeners, Swiss America has a very special offer today. Silver Walking Liberty Half Dollars at the amazingly low price of $12.50 each delivered. You heard me right, $12.50. Call now to reserve your silver coins at 800 630 three4 1490. That's 800-630-1490. Silver Walking Liberty Half Dollars for just $12.50 each delivered while supplies last. Put a silver lining in your financial portfolio now by calling 800-630-1490. 800-630-1490.
18: The CDC has announced a new standard for the cruise ship industry.
13: The Center for Disease Control and Prevention has got rid of a program that allowed the public to view COVID-19 levels on cruise ships that sail in the US waters. The CDC announced it had determined, quote, the cruise industry has access to the necessary tools to prevent and mitigate COVID-19 on board, end quote. The move comes as BA5 Omicron subvariant spreads across the United States. The variant is now estimated Estimated to make up more than 78% of new cases, according to the CDC. For the USA Radio News Los Angeles Bureau, I'm Ellie Andrews. As the United
18: States inflation rate is recklessly out of control, we're not alone. The United Kingdom's annual rate of inflation rose to a new four-decade high as well, now sitting at 9.4% across the pond. USA Radio News. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Now that the push to defund the police and soft-on-crime DAs has had a chance to work its way into society, the criminal element of America has become emboldened. Record crime is being reported across America. One of the worst crime increase locations in America is New York City. New York City Councilman Republican Joe Borelli on Fox News slams the Democrats for letting this happen and to allow crime to flourish.
9: Look, I I certainly had hope for Mayor Adams. Uh, Unfortunately, it is the mindset of the entire Democratic Party uh, that is causing this. It starts with bail reform. It goes into sentencing leniency. It goes into early release programs. It goes into criminalization of police actions. It's from uh, the ending of qualified immunity for police officers, uh, lowering police headcount. All of these things have one similar thing in common. They are all part of declared Democratic Party platform items.
18: The San Diego Unified School District Board President is under fire for instructing students who won't wear masks to stay home from regular school. Without any science or evidence being presented, Dr. Sharon Whitehurst-Payne is demanding indoor masking for all San Diego Unified School District schools in California or stay out.
0: They should just let make it known that they don't feel comfortable and at that point just not return.
18: Dr. Sharon Whitehurst-Payne on KUSI News. The American League won again, defeating the National League 3-2 in last night's Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
1: Do you love driving, but you don't love your car payment? Open road lending can reduce your car payment by as much as $100 a month or more. It's easy to refinance your car payment. Just call today to get your no-obligation quote and find out how much you can save. To qualify for a lower car payment, your car should be less than 10 years old, have less than 125,000 miles, and you've made at least six on-time payments. Call Open Road Lending today to learn how you can lower your rate and your payment by refinancing. It's easy, only takes a few minutes, and there's no cost or obligation to apply and get approved. Call today and see how much you can save. 800-871-9417. 871 9417 800 871 9417. That's 800 871 9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
19: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
13: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the Hizzle for Shizzle, Biznatch.
3: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tuttle with you. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. You know, the interesting thing about the Major League Baseball draft, there was one guy, actually, who was drafted out of Oklahoma in the second round, and he went nuts, saying, I, I, I'm going to have revenge on all the teams that passed on me. And I'm like, shut up. But you just think about, like, the very last pick of the entire draft was picked 616 by the Giants, and it was Ethan Long, a first baseman for Arizona State. Arizona State, one of the top ten baseball programs in the country. I'll argue that. And it's the only time in a draft, I think, where the big man on campus, like the first baseman for Arizona State, is looking at these guys going, What? because you have so many, not just high schools, but junior colleges. I'm looking <clears throat> right now, Shelton State Community College, Iowa Western Community College, Walters Community College. Hey, Santa Rosa, J.C., Red Sox, Austin, Erlich, Ehrlicha, Ehrlicha. That's the other thing is that some of these guys, they get their GED and then they say, I'm in uh, I'm in a junior college now. And that's a good way to get drafted. You can go that way. I saw the Rangers took a guy out of Tri-C. That's Cypress Community College down there in Orange County. Cause I had a friend that went to Tri-C. Gilbert Community College. That's down there in the Valley of the Sun. Butler County Community College. So what I'm saying is, is these guys, Grossmont, that's the one next to San Diego State. These people are like, wait, I thought I was the Arizona State first baseman, and you're drafting two guys from Chipola College? <laughs> that's what's so cool um, about this draft. The A's drafted a guy named T.J. sizz C-Z-Y-Z from Consumnes River Community College. TJ Sizz. I don't know. We'll see how he says it. Matt Caesar. Come on back.
6: Wendy's knows cold and soggy fries are the worst. So soggy. That's why we're serving up hot and crispy fries all day, every day. And all night until close. With natural cut potatoes, sea salted to perfection. Show me that potato skin. Wendy's Hot and Crispy aren't like other fries, we're your dream fry. Choose wisely. Choose
4: Wendy's Hot and Crispy Fries.
7: Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. If yours aren't, bring them back and we'll replace them.
4: Do you own an annuity? Either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little known truths about annuities
1: 800-760-1845, 800-760-1845, 800-760-1845, that's 800-760-1845. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe $25,000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need $25,000, $50,000, or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. That's 800-209-6124. NMLS 6606, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity.
3: All right, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast-to-coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show Hall of Famer Tracy McGrady, and uh, he's here to talk about the national one-on-one circuit. And uh, we're also trying to hook up with uh, John Jordan, who topped George Beeman overall to uh, win the whole deal. Oh, we do have him now. We got both guys with us. Tracy, let's start off with you. How did this uh, idea all come together for the, uh, the OBL?
17: Um, well, uh, that's a loaded question, um, but I'll, I'll give you a short, short versions. I have 16 and 13-year-old sons that do not watch live sporting events, meeting NBA, NCAA. They just don't have the attention span. <laughs> uh, all, all of their content is short-form content on YouTube, uh, that was one of the reasons, and you know, just being around AAU—that's what these kids are gravitating towards now. Is just short-form content, um, and another one is just the land of opportunities. I know there's an ocean of of talent that's untapped, that's been told they're not good enough, doors are shut on them, and I understand there is, you know, a a a a talent level that is, you know for me i could put on the platform and, and be entertained of watching these guys play the game of basketball in a one-on-one setting um as we proved that in our proof concept season of obl season one this year um and john jordan is a test to that uh, just love watching him compete um the the emotional roller coaster ride that he went on this season and um, end ended in the fashion that he did was was probably one of the best games that i've seen
3: um, this year, it was, it was amazing. Well, John, let's talk about that because you had to go to overtime against George Beeman. You hit a fadeaway to win it. And this is winner take all. So you were, you were a second away from being sitting in a throne with Tracy McGrady with 250 K or going home with nothing. So to say that's the greatest shot of your life, I think that's maybe one of the greatest shots of any basketball player's life.
20: Man, absolutely. I mean, the the script could literally couldn't be written any better. Uh, that's one of those shots like you know, like we if you're a competitor and you're a hooper, like when you're we're all kids and you're in your backyard five, four, three, two, one and putting up that game when it's shot, that's literally what that was. And, and 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 to say I hit that at that moment. When leading up to that moment, I couldn't buy a three the entire tournament. Literally, I think I may have went two for twenty or two for twenty, whatever. I couldn't buy a three. So for that one to to open up and for me to 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 nail it, and oh my gosh, it was an amazing feeling. And like I said, like uh, I'm just so happy it ended in that fashion. Just for the OBL, like you know, like nobody wants to see a. You know, a blowout championship game, a nine to two, and nine to four. People want to see, you know, adversity and uncomfortable um, situations. And and and, I'm glad me and George. Shout out to George, man, unbelievable competitor, great player. But I'm glad me and George were able to give the fans and the viewers um, something to stay up at night and, and watch and tune into. Tracy, Dude. yeah, go ahead. I was about to ask John, do you realize you were down eight four in that game? <laughs> man, like like going back like going back and watching it, like I I I really just realized, I was like, man, like George literally had me beat. Like literally, like, you know, obviously one free throw away, but like like I was down the entire game. And, you know, but that's the type of person and that's the type of competitor I am. Like you know, I'm always, I've am always i always had to take the toughest route to the top. And I feel like I've always had to, like, outwork everybody just to, you know, uh, sometimes even break even, you know, with the competitors. And so, uh, I mean, like you said, down 8-4, back against the wall. You know, I'm climbing. But every time I, I try to make a run or make a push, he, and he answers, uh, you know, with his scoring and his ability. So, uh, man, just to get through that that adversity, man, it it just, it it made me learn a lot about myself for real. That's why I was really emotional at the end. Like it was just like, you know, I'm battling one-on-one versus myself. Right.
3: You know, Tracy, I come from the, the Oakland area and like in my dad's day, like Don Barksdale was a legend on the playground and I was in Richmond and this guy had a guy named Demetrius Hook Mitchell. These guys were like playground legends doing dunks over cars you know and then maybe that didn't work out in college whatever but to me the purity of one on one and getting some of those like you know playground legends and letting them flourish this doesn't have to be some guy that was in march madness or in the nba i mean you can really show what you got in this league huh
17: oh man this is this is like show your stuff you know what i mean um this is let me show the world who i am let me tell the world who I am. Um, it's really no holds barred because you could just relinquish, you know, your talent and, and and all the abilities that was given to you and that you've worked on your whole career and nobody is there to hold you back. You don't have a coach to tell you, you know, um, you, you're dribbling too much or you're shooting too much. Like you don't have any of that. You could just be who you are and just release your talent, man. And I, this is a platform for it. And we had some guys that really uh, took advantage of that, and John is one of those guys. I mean, he was phenomenal all season long.
3: And so, uh, John, you can go through that cash real quick if you, if you get goofy. So, <laughs> what's the first thing you're gonna buy? And then also, how do you keep you know all your friends by saying, "Hey, man, throw me ten grand." <laughs>
20: well, I'll tell you the first thing uh, I did purchase was, and I had a. I had a, a, a outstanding bill in preparation for the Vegas Championship. So, mm-hmm. um, one thing about me, I, I'm very adamant in investing in yourself and investing in your craft, in your game. So, what I did with the first um, uh, 10K was uh, that I won in Houston. Was I had a previous bill, a previous training bill, um, so I paid that down and started a whole new uh, training session. Um, you know, obviously, which I owe to my trainer. And so what I did with this, I paid this, 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 this wave of of, of training bill. So um, that's the first thing I did. I mean, I paid off my training bills, and you know, I, like I went in a little debt for myself and I it was like a bet on yourself type situation and, and it all worked out. But other than that, I mean, I haven't really, it hasn't really hit me yet that, you know what I mean? I really just made a quarter <laughs> meal. So I'm just going to just take some time and like, you know um just sit back and just like wow like you know just figure out what it is i really want to do obviously i have a lot a bunch of ideas um like camps and skill sessions things i can do to give back uh to the community
3: and uh help others well hopefully uncle sam doesn't take too much of that huh <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> um and then uh finally tracy this league you know i remember a couple years ago talking to ice cube he was trying to get the three-on-three league going and it's just been jumping so for this too it's so unique getting showtime uh involved and just seeing it grow i mean this is kind of catching fire isn't it
17: oh man it is great response um our social platforms is like growing at a rapid rate uh people are catching on to it It's it's pretty catchy and you know, I, I think we're gonna add more. There's just more to come, and and you know, you would think the first season we wouldn't have a great group of talent, but it was it was elite level, it was high level competition, and I can only imagine what the second season is gonna be. Now that everybody is seeing it, <laughs> it's gonna be real competitive. And on top of that, when we come back second season, these guys are gonna have a ranking. So you're looking at your number one rank, number one player in the world right here of OBL. So when they come back, they're going to have that target on their back. So they, let's see if they can back it up. <laughs> yeah.
3: Great stuff from Tracy McGrady and John Jordan. For more information on the Ones Basketball League, go to oblhoops.com. Gentlemen, congratulations on it and looking forward to a lot more in the coming years. I uh, appreciate
17: it. Thank you for your platform. All Thank right. you, guys. Thank sure. you, guys.
3: Good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We'll come on back. Timmy Meadows on the other side.
12: Rick Tittle is a majestic stallion.
3: All right. Thank you for that. And uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. We're waiting on Tim Meadows. And uh, when we get him in, uh, we will definitely uh, pick him up and uh, throw him on the air. Yeah, that's right. Pick him up and uh, throw him on the air. 1-800-878-PLAY. I just put out a tweet that I would have Tim Meadows on my show and then that ain't him. (laughs) Some other kind of demos, but uh, what can I do? Um, I guess he just is. You know, that's the other thing too is that a lot of times people think, "Oh, I'm gonna be on, uh, I'm gonna be on Twitter." What what funny thing could I be? And it's be like, "How about Buttface Johnson?" That's what I'll be. I'll be Buttface Johnson, and then um, no one can find you. You know. And maybe you don't care. Like uh my boy John Baker is Man Bear Wolf. And people are like, Oh yeah, South Park. I'm like, I've I've never seen South Park, so it it's not a uh, it's not one of my dealios. Uh anyway, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. And after a seven year gap from his in studio in studio appearance, a few weeks ago we had Tim Meadows on the show, and uh now it's becoming really a fortnightly thing, because we're very happy to have Tim Meadows back again. He is at Helium Comedy Club in the hub city of Indianapolis tomorrow through Saturday. And uh, Tim, I appreciate it. You, you just can't stay away now, huh?
21: No, I think seven years is about as much as I can take being away from you.
3: So. <laughs> <laughs> now for you, you're a Midwest guy, but when I say Indianapolis, that ain't Chicago or Detroit, but do you kind of feel at home or is it weird?
21: No, I do. I sort of
3: feel at home,
21: you know. Um, you know, it's nice being in the area where the weather changes and <laughs> it gets cold mm-hmm. and then you regret living there. Um, <laughs> as opposed to L.A. where it's just beautiful and you love living there all the time.
11: Mm-hmm.
21: Um, I like to be in a place where at least six months out of the year I hate being there. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You know, when I think about other Wayne State alums, I was very happy to get Don Larson on the show before he passed away. For you, who was the big, like, sports star, hoop star when you were at Wayne State?
21: At Wayne State? You mean the the big Wayne State sports person?
3: Yeah, who was the big man on campus? (laughs) I have no idea. Really?
21: Yeah. I really wasn't into Wayne State sports when I was there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm just looking through the list. You got Casey Kasem from there. Hugh Downs. There's some uh-huh. There's some pretty big names. Um,
21: yeah. Um, who else is from uh, um I'm trying to think who else went there. Well, you know, I actually, they gave me my doctorate's, honorary doctorate's degree. What? Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, Bill Prady also got... His doctorate's degree and he run, he created um big bang theory mm. so I didn't know who he was before I met him at the show at the at the ceremony um but I was pretty impressed that he went to wayne state he was a dropout also mm. apparently they like giving doctorate degrees to dropouts.
3: <laughs> <laughs> out i was too wow. i was a dropout well, you had you had bigger fish to fry. It's not because you were a dummy.
21: Well, I worked at a fish frying restaurant,
3: so <laughs> I did have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> you know who else? I just looked you to know, uh, you know live Wikipedia. I also see that Jack White from the White Stripes is also an, an honorary doctorate.
21: Yeah, and uh, he deserves it. He doesn't flaunt it though. Like I'm going to.
3: <laughs> yeah, you didn't say Tim Meadows Ph.D. <laughs> i i it's
21: an honorary uh it's called the doctor of Humane letters mm. which i don't have any clue what it means well i think
3: like, you know like l and r are very very humane letters and x and z are very you know like bellicose letters
21: well i would take l m n o p as my <laughs> humane letters
3: <laughs> not too bad so um yeah. second city i remember um watching you and the Farley doc and, you know, mm-hmm. Kirk wrote the the motivational speaker and, and all that. How do you, I mean, to, I know that you, Lauren never wanted you guys to break on SNL, but even in Second City, how do you not break when you see stuff like that?
21: Well, you know, part of doing it, you do it over and over, you know, and so some nights would be, you just want to get through scenes, you know, and just do it. You know, the jokes are going to be there or whatever. But then there were some scenes during every show that there was a sense of play, you know. And uh, uh, Motivational Speaker was one of those scenes where chris it was Chris's showcase. And we were, the people in the in scene, we were just audience members at a certain point. Um, and so, and he had, he loved to try to make you laugh.
11: Mm-hmm.
21: And so he will push the boundaries. But we never knew what part of his monologue he was going to push you know uh and so sometimes like you know he would he would overdo the screaming part of it so that he would scream loudly some nights (laughs) and then some nights he would overdo the physical part where he would like pick me up and like throw me around on stage (laughs) and say like I'm going to be rooming with you, you know. (laughs) I'm going to move in with you. I'm going to share a room with you. We're going to be buddies. We're going to be pals. And he would pick me up. And, like, everybody would just be dying laughing because some nights he wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Some nights he would, like, he would, like, hike his focus on trying to make us laugh by hiking his pants up really high over his stomach, you know, Mm -hmm. or throwing his head really quick that he would whip off his glasses and they would fly to the side of the stage. (laughs) Um, But the dude was just... He loved making his friends laugh, man.
22: He did.
3: No doubt. A couple more questions for Tim Beadows at Helium Indie tomorrow through Saturday. I remember a sketch you did, I think when Ben Stiller was the host. Of course, he was there for a cup of coffee uh, in the original mm-hmm. days. But mm-hmm. it was, uh, your character was like Boo Richens or something, but you were, you were doing political ads, and the, and the way to get rid of the bats was to get larger, more aggressive bats. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got attacked by the bats, and I remember your face. You were super mad, and I thought, you really got to sell it to act mad like you're getting attacked by bats.
21: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, you know what I got to say is is that I love that scene because it, I think Adam McKay wrote that scene, actually. Mm. Uh, but the, it was at the end of the show. So there was no pressure on it to be funny. You know, it was just a time killer at that point.
11: Mm-hmm. And
21: so I think he told me to be really upset when the bats start coming in because <laughs> it meant my plan was <laughs> failing, you know.
3: Right. <laughs> oh, his genius. Yeah, he's I was, a funny writer. I was listening to um, the, uh, the podcast with Spade and Carvey. We were talking about that last time that you were on. And the other day they were talking about who – whoever was the black guy on, this, on the cast had to do every black impression. So if you heard there was, like, Flavor Flav or David Dinkins or Christopher Darden, did you just raise your hand and you're like, yeah, I got it? <laughs>
21: yeah, well, you know... At the between me and Chris Rock, because he was there at the same time, we could sort of figure out like what African American <laughs> famous people we would be portraying. Like he would be doing Flavor Flav and I would be doing Ding Hits, you know. <laughs> it was sort of like, sort of like obvious, you know. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, he and I never competed for things. He, you know, we, People thought like outside. I kind of think people outside the show thought that like, oh, they brought me in to compete with Rock. But like, we became friends mm-hmm. the moment we met. I had seen him uh, uh, in a movie in uh, "Gonna Get You" sucker mm-hmm. uh, before I hired on the show, and I his part was so funny. Yeah.
3: Part in my hand for a dime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yes.
16: Yeah. I can yeah exactly
21: Cheap Pete that was the character's name. Yeah. Cheap Pete. But um but then we we became friends right away and still he's like to this day one of my closest friends, you know, we talk once a week at least, you know. I love that guy.
3: And I remember you're Aaron Neville so you had to put on the big mold. And you had I don't know, how did you do the Aaron Neville singing voice? Um, boy, it's hard to do because I haven't <laughs> did it in a long time.
21: But um, it's nasally and in the back of your throat. <laughs> um, boy, I got it. Boy, I just I'm putting you that. on the That's spot. Actually, <laughs> you are putting me on the spot. All right, because I can't even think of his song. I'm trying to think of the song too. Um, anyways, I can't do it right
3: yeah, now. All right, it's okay. But if you come
21: to the show, I'll do it in <laughs> Indianapolis.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so um, after Indy, what's uh, what's next on the docket for you? You're going to get a little rest, or you just keep on plugging away?
21: I got a bunch of shows through uh, mid-August, and then I take a break for a few weeks. I'm going to be in some shows in Michigan. Mm-hmm. I got three shows, like a little Michigan tour for like, um, and then I go back to L.A. In, in August to do another season of The Goldbergs mm-hmm. on ABC. Uh, I got a. I'm in the next season of Mandalorian. That's right uh, on Disney. Right. Um, I did a new show, uh an episode of the show called uh Poker Face that's gonna be on the Paramount Network that's uh produced and starring Natasha Leon. Um uh, so I just been very busy building up uh uh you know, frequent flyer miles so that I can <laughs> take a trip somewhere.
3: Hey, you're a working actor, working comedian, and everybody makes sure. Helium Comedy Club in Indianapolis, heliumcomedy.com for ticket. The great Tim Meadows. And Tim, when you're in NorCal, come in studio. We'd love to have you, buddy.
21: I would love to be there. Thank you. This was a very relaxing way to start my morning.
3: Very good. Glad I could help. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byline with Yogi Roth. You're never going to get
11: my love.
22: Baseball, basketball, soccer, tennis. No matter what your
7: game is, defense matters. Same thing goes for COVID-19. Help protect yourself with a booster shot. Now recommended for people five years and older.
15: Schedule an appointment as soon as you are eligible, following completion of your primary series. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
12: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
3: All right. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, we're looking for our next guests. And uh, when we get them, we'll pick them up and throw them on the air. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Oh, uh, right now, we um, well we have one of the co-authors of the new book, Five Star QB. And it's uh, Yogi Roth, uh, who's been on the show before, of course, uh, broadcaster with the uh, Pac-12 Uh, network and others as well. Emmy award-winning broadcaster, I should say, a New York Times bestseller. Yogi, welcome back to the uh, show um, and uh, co-authoring the book with uh, Joey Roberts, who we're trying to corral right now. When did you get the idea to put pen to paper with this?
23: Yeah, it was about three years ago. Thanks for having me. Um, Joey and I have been part of the Elite 11 quarterback camp for about 15 years, which is the premier high school quarterback camp in the country. I think American Idol for for high school quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and we continue to hear from quarterbacks and their families around recruiting that ask the same exact question. And three years ago, we were sitting out in a coffee shop after camp one day and said, Do we we gotta like provide something. There needs to be a tribe of mentors for these quarterbacks. Where's the advice? Because Joey and I can't get on you know twenty five calls a day to talk to these families. Uh, we'd love it if we could, but you know as life goes." You just don't have that type of time. So we said, how can we impact these individuals? Because, you know, as you know, and as anyone following sports knows, the pressure is only growing. The hype is only intensifying. But the players aren't that much better. The NFL doesn't have five new teams to draft new quarterbacks to. You know, some things have remained the same while expectations have dramatically risen. And we said, all right, let's, let's go do it. Let's go interview as many quarterbacks as we can and see if they can come up with their story, their advice to give to these quarterbacks. Let's see if we can get great ambassadors of the game like Chip Kelly, David Shaw, Pete Carroll, Dan Lanning, Ryan Day, elite voices in the game to give some advice to these parents because at the end of the day, there's no way you can Google how to be a five-star parent, how to be a five-star quarterback. and There just needed to be something that offered advice. And man, Menas' book is 596 pages. i are so excited <laughs> about it because it is full of advice.
3: Joey Roberts, the co-author, is with us as well. And, Joey, I'm just interested in some of the fundamentals because I played D2 football in the 80s, and uh, I coached high school. I I coached in England, too, to the police department. And coaching the quarterbacks, the first thing I would always tell them is the third hand, the chest, to press the ball to your chest. Um, What's the first thing you say to a QB?
10: Well, thanks for having us on. We just got out of a meeting. We're at Lipscomb Academy here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our quarterback, Hank Brown, is committed to liberty and We see a lot of great quarterbacks. Fundamentally, uh, I'm I'm glad you asked that question because Yogi and I would raise our hands. And we do know about the fundamentals, but we have a lot of really smart people in the quarterback training space that are actually in the book, from George Whitfield, Jr., all the way to Jordan Palmer to Trent Dilfer. Um, So fundamentally, uh, we'd we'd probably talk with carriage, talk about base, talk about a a clear mind. And that's where I'll probably land on the clear mind is that all these quarterbacks, they go through their journey uh, with – As Yogi said, the pressure is only getting higher. The anti deals are only getting more. Uh, The microscope's only uh, widening on them. And they all ask the question, like, how do I navigate this thing? And they're 17 years old. Uh, They probably have five stars next to their name if we interviewed them. And for 10% of them and upwards of 30% of them that we interviewed, uh, they had their first offer in eighth grade. Now, I, you talked about coaching quarterbacks. You talked about playing D two football. Like, can you imagine having a scholarship offer in eighth grade and the expectations <laughs> that comes with that? Wow, it's it's absolutely absurd. And, and there's no Google search for it. There's no tribe of mentors out there currently that like, hey, how do I navigate this? What was the first offer like? What was that college visit like? How many camps did I go to? All the questions that we received from parents in the past, uh, we basically put in a Google form. We send it off to. Every five-star quarterback that has ever existed, and 55 of them, 54 of them, came back with unbelievable answers. And the cool thing is, every answer is completely unique to them, their own um, their own story.
3: And that's interesting, too, Yogi, because, you know, you can tell a kid on a pre-snap read, keep your back straight, don't lean over like Johnny Unitas, well, he's Johnny Unitas, so you tell a kid you know, keep the ball up two hands until you throw it like Peyton Manning, and you go, well, look at Steve Young. He'd, he'd hold it in one hand all the time, and he'd wind up like he was pitching. So these, these Hall of Famers might not have the fundamentals that you're trying to teach. Is that hard when you say, look, that guy is a once-in-a-lifetime talent, but do it my way? Is that kind of hard sometimes?
23: Yeah, I mean, I think that the the game has evolved so much that I think anybody coaching, whether you're in Pop Warner or at the highest levels in the NFL and you know, we had Pete Carroll write the forward of this book and John Schneider, the GM of the Seahawks, who wrote in a, a letter to quarterbacks in the final chapter of this book, basically acknowledging like there's a lot of ways to do it. But the one thing you need to often be doing is getting to know yourself so you can manage your way. You know, we often say in the quarterback space you can train three things your skill set, your body, and your mind. And every quarterback, every athlete is training their skill set and their body every day, right? That's just what everybody kind of inherently leans towards. But are you training your mind? Are you offering yourself you know, the time and creating the space to attack the things that really need a lot of work in this day and age? Because regardless if you hold the ball with one hand or two hands, if you bend over, you don't, like, you got to manage the things in between your ears. And now there's so many things. Like Joey referenced a couple of them. But it's also like in the book where I love where we talk about What do you do when you go on an official visit? Like, how do I talk to a head coach? How do I deal with my own parents? Like, little things like that that just continue to grow and grow and grow under the microscope that is recruiting and is major college football, let alone if you're lucky enough to make the NFL. So, I I net back on that. Like, you can play in a bunch of different ways, right? Phillip Rivers threw it differently than Drew Brees and so on and so forth. And those are two Hall of Famers, to your point. But it's all about can you train those intangibles? And I think there's a lot of ways to do that. And, we need players, and I love that high school players now, are, their eyes are being opened up to saying, yeah, you know, I need to kind of go work on some of those things. Because Those are the things presenting a lot of challenges.
3: A couple more questions for Yogi Roth and Joey Roberts, the new book they've co-authored called Five Star QB. Joey, when uh, you, you tell a kid to stay in the pocket, he might say, well, what, like Mason Rudolph, I want to be Lamar Jackson. But then you don't want him to have happy feet, but you also want him to do what they do best but running a lot, you might end up like R G three with a short career. So how do you try to keep it rigid, but how also do you try to let a kid do what he can do best?
10: Love the question. And uh talking with coaches, the, the college coaches, the pro coaches who wrote in this book and uh it's really you gotta meet the kid where they're at. Uh it's not the it's not the kid that's gotta conform to the system, it's the system that's gotta conform to the the Player, and that's what we've advised uh, parents. We've advised players that they have a unique skill set that's one of one. They're, everyone wants to make comparables when the draft comes around. He reminds me of this blank player because they only have 15 seconds to speak on NFL Network. Like, it has to be done. But at the end of the day, that coach has to, to build the system around that player. Uh, and the cool thing about one of the chapters we talk about, uh, Yogi hits on the wonder switch in an imagination um, a lot of these kids, as they get older, and they're told that they are a dual-threat athlete or they are a pocket pro-style passer. Like, they get put in either bucket. And they just say, like, they take on that identity. And, like, our advice is, like, take on the identity that you grew up playing in the backyard and play within the confines of the offense, the rules and the principles and the concepts and everything. But at the end of the day, like, you be you. And the guys that ended up making it, like, beyond just being drafted, those are the guys that found their exact secret sauce in their day-to-day and clearing their mind and train their body. Um, and we have a bit, uh, to the point about Yogi training the body, and, and we have a, a mental health, uh, I'm getting a little teary but a mental health chapter because Mark and uh, we, we believe it's so important uh, for these young quarterbacks to, to navigate the questions, the hard questions, uh, to train their mind. And Mark and Kim Holinsky of Holinsky's Hope wrote an unbelievable letter for future quarterbacks and future parents to basically say, like, be the individual that you were meant to be. Uh, Don't allow the noise to affect your identity and your personality. Um, Really really do the work on flipping on that wonder switch, having the imagination that brought you back to the backyard, that allowed you to become the five-star quarterback, so then you can serve and, and lead others at a college program.
3: One more question for you, Yogi, and, and that is you talked about sitting down for a recruiter or a campus official visit, whatever. We've seen some Heisman winners switch schools like Mayfield, Murray, Aikman. A couple of years ago we saw you know, Justin Fields really only second to Trevor Lawrence uh, coming out of high school, and he went to Georgia, but he didn't want to sit behind Jake Fromm, how do you listen to a coach and he says, oh, it's going to be an open competition, but you got to look and say, well, I think I'm going to be third string here for two years. How do you sort of suss all that out?
23: Well, I think each one is unique to each individual. I'll start with that. and We have a couple of sections in the book where we address transferring. You look at the numbers, it's fascinating. Over 50% of five-star quarterbacks have transferred at least once. A lot of them didn't even start at the second school that they went to. Uh, I say that because I, I think the environment is dramatically changing in college in terms of some guys leave after a year, to your point, if they don't want to be on the depth chart. Some guys also wait around, right? Mark Sanchez waited around. He sat behind that liner and John David Booty, right? And Mark talks about it. John David Booty is in the book as well. He talks about it and the development that allows them to sit and learn and thrive when they play. Other guys want to go play really fast, really early. And I, and I think – it all comes down to the specific situation. Uh, my advice to every college player is give yourself a break when you get to college. And if you do register it, look at it as a blessing. You know, Josh Rosen's in the book. And I'll never forget when he got injured as a junior, or excuse me, as a sophomore at UCLA. He said, man, uh, it was a blessing in disguise. because I got to just take a breath because he was such a big recruit. He was the number one quarterback in the country uh, for the most part of every recruiting service when he came out had been that way since he was a sophomore in high school alongside Ricky town and when he got to ucla he threw for 337 yards in his first game against virginia at home in a sold out environment at the rose bowl and all of a sudden the legacy began and the pressure began and it was it was hard for him and i think his injury gave him a blessing in disguise to just take a breath take a breath and just pause and that's my advice to a lot of these quarterbacks is get to know what is it that you need because the thing you need might be just to take a pause because the reality around you, it, it's, it's not real. Everybody isn't Trevor Lawrence. Everybody isn't Tua Tagovailoa. Everybody isn't Jalen Hurts. I'm talking about three quarterbacks who played a national championship game as a freshman. That's just not real. Right? That happens to a few guys in the history of the game. Most of them need some time to adapt and adjust. So our advice to them is that's a good thing. Give yourself some time to adjust, develop as a student, as a student athlete, as an elite player, and also learn the game.
3: I remember when I was uh do I used to do shows with uh, Josh Booty and when John David was at USC and he was coming out for the draft he said yeah he's going to be the third guy taken it's going to be Matt Ryan at of BC some guy named Flacco in Delaware whoever the <laughs> hell whoever the hell that is and then John David what did he he went like the 5th round to the Vikings right so you just never know huh?
23: yeah man I mean Joey's been around the draft more than I have but it is <laughs> you never know; it's crazy, and that's why I think you know we see now the expectations and hype around NIL, and we've seen it in recruiting just increase. Everybody thinks they're a first-round pick,
3: right?
23: And the reality is that's not true. And I say that I come back to the thing I said in your first question: is the hype has grown, the pressure has grown, but there's not more draft picks, there's not more players in the first round taken, there aren't more starting quarterback spots available. Those things haven't changed. And that's the harsh reality and the fall from recruiting that we've seen happen from a perspective of who these guys are and what people think they should be. And that's why I even love to cover the book. It's the faces of these players because they're human beings, man. They're not just warriors that put on their gladiator gear and put on a helmet and supposed to represent the school colors that you love. They're Mm -hmm. kids. They're young men who have parents and families and heartbeats and they go through things. And uh, that's been, I think, for Joey and I, the best part of this process is reconnecting over fifty quarterbacks that we got to know at sixteen, seventeen at the elite eleven, then talking to them now as their fathers, business people coming out of struggles in their lives, whatever it may be, and yeah. they're giving some really cool wisdom throughout the book.
3: Great stuff. Five star QB, pick it up from Yogi Roth and Joey Roberts, gentlemen. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Byline.
1: 800-754-4531.
15: Call Pharmacy Shop 24-7 to get generic versions of Viagra or Cialis for as little as $2 a pill, plus free discreet shipping.
1: 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. That's 800-709-4409. Uh, th- playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding
22: me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game.
12: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
3: All right, uh, thank you for that. And, uh, you know, memes, they're very childish. But sometimes they're also very hilarious. (laughs) I just saw one. That uh, said, um, number of rings since 1997, J-Lo 6, Dallas Cowboys 0. (laughs) <laughs> that is pretty amazing I gotta say and of course it's a different type of thing but I thought Ben Affleck was, didn't he marry J-Lo before or he almost married J-Lo before he almost married her he did marry her he didn't marry her Oh, but then A-Rod married her but then she was married to some like fat old producers I think or was that Mariah Carey I don't know I don't know who Jay- oh, J-Lo Oh, j married Mark Anthony, the skinny guy, right? All right. I don't know. We'll come back. We'll talk about sports. I kind of know about that.
17: radio news with Lance
18: Pride. Dan Cox, a Republican endorsed by President Trump, won Tuesday's Republican primary for Maryland governor. It's one of several GOP primaries across the country in which Democrats have put money on. The mentality is they would be easier GOP candidates to defeat. Dan Cox, as recorded by WJZ CBS 13.
8: People are tired of what's going on right now with the Biden administration. They're looking for leadership to make things happen for their families and that's what our campaign is doing that's what we're going to do the next um, few months here we're going to make sure that we restore the power to the people.
18: Republicans have sided with Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives to pass a bill that would boost legal protections for same-sex marriages. Firefighters in France, Portugal, Spain and the U.K. continued to battle raging wildfires that have forced thousands to flee and caused several deaths. USA Radio News.
12: Wendy Bell here for my friends at Swiss America. Did you know the U.S. Constitution authorizes only two forms of legitimate money, gold and silver? That's right. But our government abandoned gold and silver a half century ago. Meanwhile, gold and silver prices have rocketed in recent years due to growing economic uncertainty. So, to help my listeners, Swiss America has a very special offer today. Silver walking liberty half dollars at the amazingly low price of $12.50 each delivered. You heard me right. $12.50. Call now to reserve your silver coins at 800 630 three4 1490. That's 800-630-1490. Silver Walking Liberty Half Dollars for just $12.50 each delivered while supplies last. Put a silver lining in your financial portfolio now by calling 800-630-1490. 800-630-1490.
18: The CDC has announced a new standard for the cruise ship industry.
13: The Center for Disease Control and Prevention has got rid of a program that allowed the public to view COVID-19 levels on cruise ships that sail in the US waters. The CDC announced it had determined, quote, the cruise industry has access to the necessary tools to prevent and mitigate COVID-19 on board, end quote. The move comes as BA5 Omicron subvariant spreads across the United States. The variant is now estimated Estimated to make up more than 78% of new cases, according to the CDC. For the USA Radio News Los Angeles Bureau, I'm Ellie Andrews. As the United
18: States inflation rate is recklessly out of control, we're not alone. The United Kingdom's annual rate of inflation rose to a new four-decade high as well, now sitting at 9.4% across the pond. USA Radio News. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Now that the push to defund the police and soft-on-crime DAs has had a chance to work its way into society, the criminal element of America has become emboldened. Record crime is being reported across America. One of the worst crime increase locations in America is New York City. New York City Councilman Republican Joe Borelli on Fox News slams the Democrats for letting this happen and to allow crime to flourish.
9: Look, I I certainly had hope for Mayor Adams. Uh, Unfortunately, it is the mindset of the entire Democratic Party uh, that is causing this. It starts with bail reform. It goes into sentencing leniency. It goes into early release programs. It goes into criminalization of police actions. It's from uh, the ending of qualified immunity for police officers, uh, lowering police headcount. All of these things have one similar thing in common. They are all part of declared Democratic Party platform items.
18: The San Diego Unified School District Board President is under fire for instructing students who won't wear masks to stay home from regular school. Without any science or evidence being presented, Dr. Sharon Whitehurst-Payne is demanding indoor masking for all San Diego Unified School District schools in California or stay out.
0: They should just let make it known that they don't feel comfortable and at that point just not return.
18: Dr. Sharon Whitehurst-Payne on KUSI News. The American League won again, defeating the National League 3-2 in last night's Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
5: To you. And you don't even have to leave your home.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. 1 800 878 play. 1 800 878 7529. That's how you get heard. That's how we do it. This is how we do it. Some of the best names in the draft. Just fantastic. The the Major League Baseball draft. Cooper Jerpy. We talked about him. He went to the Cardinals. Silas Ardwan, I love that. That sounds, sounds like somebody in a puritanical village with a divining rod finding witches. Get Silas Ardwan, Cutter Coffee. You're going to name your kid Cutter? I guess you will. It's. <clears throat> I always just assume it's somebody down south. Cutter Coffee. AJ Blue Ball. I know. Let the jokes begin. A.J. Blueball with the Astros, Jimmy Crooks the third, <laughs> Jimmy Crooks the third to the Cardinals, Orion Kirkering. I always want to say onion, onion. Kirk. Orion Kirkering to the Philz. Tanner O'Tremba to the Giants, but he was picked four sixty six. Tanner O'Tremba. The Angels drafted someone named Roman Fansalcar. Once again, Roman Fansalcar. A couple more. The Rays drafted a guy named Gary Gill Hill. Gary Gill Hill's going to come out. How do you like my banjo? But the best name of all. Number pick, 299. New York Mets. A guy named Zebulon Vermilion. Now, if that doesn't sound like someone at the Jedi Council, Zebulon Vermilion, the Prime Minister of Saturn. <laughs> Love it. Hey, they got drafted. Ze- I just I can't stop saying it. Welcome back to Titillating Sports with Zebulon Vermilion. How, how much money do you want? I want Vermillion dollars. <laughs> All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Get on back, y'all.
6: Wendy's knows cold and soggy fries are the worst. So soggy. That's why we're serving up hot and crispy fries all day, every day. And all night until close. With natural cut potatoes, sea salted to perfection. Show me that potato skin. Wendy's hot and crispy aren't like other fries. We're your dream fry. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's hot and crispy fries.
7: Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. If yours aren't, bring them back and we'll replace them.
1: Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. That's 800-209-6124. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity.
13: COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer.
22: Right now, sports betting is the fastest-growing industry in the world. To consistently cash tickets at the sports books, it's best to be armed with the right plays from the best sports bettors in the business. That's what you'll get at AgainstTheNumber.com. At AgainstTheNumber.com, you'll get specialists with decades of experience betting multiple sports at a high level and many sports specific packages from the NFL to college basketball to cricket to soccer to the European Tour that gives you a consistent edge on the sports book. For a highly skilled, reasonably priced team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing, and one thing only, beating the books at their own game. Visit AgainstTheNumber.com. That's AgainstTheNumber.com.
8: Titillating sports with Rick Tittle.
3: All righty then, welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle, with you, coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It is eleven twelve a.m. out here in California. That means it's time we check in with one of the sporting prognosticators over at AgainstTheNumber.com, which is a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only: beating the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year specialist-specific packages. Their prices are reasonable. The tracking and distribution process is simple, and the results are real. Making his debut uh, from uh, India via the UK, we have Hirsch Barn, and he's here to talk about cricket. And um first of all Hirsch, welcome to the show before we get into it what was happening with that scam that was going on that was uh, fooling Russian betters going going on in India what was that all about?
24: I have a fake uh, Indian Premier League uh, recently and they actually tried to you know scam uh, the Russians uh, and I think you know it it's not bad when you try to scam the Russians you know because they're sort of trying to scam the world so maybe just beat them at their own game, I guess.
3: <laughs> right. So the Commonwealth uh, uh, 2020s, um, how are we seeing that right now? How are you viewing those matches?
24: Yeah, I mean, the Commonwealth uh, is currently going on, but generally there's only one win in that format. You know, in the women's game, you know, the Australian women dominate, and, you know, there's, there's just, I mean, they're just the best team in the world. so there is basically no value in them. They, they literally are start, starting the matches as as a minus 1500 uh, favorites. So there's there's nothing over there. And generally, in you know, a Commonwealth, is I think in you know, a uh, an alarm for the first time because cricket is not allowed in any Olympics or Commonwealth uh, before before this. So there's no value over there. But besides that, there are quite a few other events going on as well, which is a lot of value.
3: Let's talk about Sri Lanka versus Pakistan, Abdullah Shafiq, record chase of three forty two, along with Mohammed Rizwan, a vital fourth mm-hmm. wicket stand of seventy one and now leading by uh, one by four wickets lead the series uh, one nothing. That's a pretty pretty high chase in that test. Uh, how does yeah. that series go?
24: Yeah, I mean that was a that was a record series and uh the goal cricket stadium is just, just you know great for batsmen, especially batting for in the innings, you know, in the last Ten to fifteen years, or uh, the highest chase above two hundred, is only has only been achieved once. It was about two hundred and sixty odd runs, and you know other all chases uh, about two hundred have failed. I mean, so in, the, in perhaps the hundred-year history of the game, this has never been done. I mean, the records are meant to be broken, and uh, yeah, this was this was it. This was the first time that this has ever been done, and yeah, well played to them. They had an ODI
3: in England, uh, South Africa. The uh, Springboks, a fantastic innings by Evander uh, in a 134, and South Africa with 50 overs. The thing really that stood out is what? What is it? 40 degrees in, in England right now. How hard is it to, to bowl and and bat in that kind of weather?
24: Yeah, I mean, it. This is basically 50 50 format and 50 over format and then this temperature because I think the UK is currently experiencing the 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 largest temperatures that they've ever experienced and I mean South Africa are just real wild uh, underdogs you know nobody's talking about them uh, for the World Cup but you know just just keep in mind this, this team is it's team of match winners you know they're real live dogs I feel and they can absolutely on their day destroy any opposition you have the team they have the balance bowlers batsmen everything is in place you know so I mean the market is just not realizing that because in I mean, English cricket has recently, you know, after 2015, dominated the white ball game. But, you know, they are in decline. Uh, Stokes has retired. Morgan has retired. And, you know, there's a lot to be done right now. And Butler is having to bear the burden of uh, it right now. The books are not taking that into account.
3: You mentioned Ben Stokes, an all-rounder, said his ODI retirement really should be a wake-up call. And he was saying, I mean, he's 31, but he just said there's too much cricket rammed down the throats, all three formats. And he said, we're not cars that you can just gas up and get ready to go again. Do you think this is going to, you know, send shockwaves, or is this just uh, more kind of an under-the-radar thing?
24: No, I mean, uh, Ben Stokes is perhaps, you know, the number one all round in the world, so what is said is correct, but this is something, you know, the, the writing was on the wall for quite a few years. Uh, am like, you know, just like football, you know, cricket is starting to move into franchise system. And, you know, the pay the pay in franchise system is almost 10 to 20 times what you get. Uh, over in you know, the international teams. I mean so if you're playing for your country you don't make as much as what you play for your clubs or play for your domestic teams. So right now the status the status quo is that you know, you have to manage your bodies because if you keep playing the ta- international cricket and you keep and your body keeps breaking down. You cannot play domestic games. So, you know, the writing was on the wall and you know it's it's nothing you know uncommon. And there are various, you know, big names that are retiring from the game or they're just pull out of you know, citing any sort of injuries and and stuff because they have to play the domestic games. the 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 money is just too good to refuse. So, yeah, I mean, it was expected.
3: In uh, county cricket, when you look at the championship, Essex and Surrey, and Essex wicketkeeper Adam Rossington with a uh, a century, and uh, the Surrey baller, uh bowler Dan Worrell had an impressive uh, six fifty six as they faced off in the once again, oven-like conditions in their Division One game. And you look at a guy like Rossington, who's a little bit tubby, but a century, that's not an, an even 100, huh?
24: Yeah, I mean, you know, the counter-trigger, the counter-trigger is very different, you know, because the pitch is very so much these days. You, you can, you know, the, the teams in the lower division, they're literally trying to force results these days. So what happens is, you know, you doctor the pitch, prepare as per your conditions. To, so to get a county championship right, I think it's extremely difficult because you literally don't know, you know, what to expect. And also the streams are not there. Uh, they don't really allow worldwide streams so easily. Uh, so it's it's very difficult to get a hang of county cricket and, you know, literally anyone scores and anyone takes wickets. But when they step up to the international level, it's, it's a different ball game. So I personally don't like the county cricket too much as of now, because, you know, I think there's a lot of, Work, no, work that needs to be done in the format and, and the quality of players, because international players don't play county anymore. The big names. Because, as I said, the schedule for the domestic games is just too grant for the club to Last question
3: for you. You think about some of the great international players that have come to England, and you look at Northamptonshire, a guy like Washington Sundar. He's played four tests, four one-dayers, 31 T20 games, all for for India, yeah. and um, before even Lancashire had a chance to to bat and went four for sixty nine. Um, how much of that uh, the the influx of the uh, the international players coming into county cricket?
24: Yeah, I mean it, it's very important, especially enough players coming from India because India is the biggest market for cricket. I mean, hands down, there's not even to debate on that. India India rules the cricket world, beat mm-hmm. the money, beat everything. So you know, for a county set up to get a Active and then player uh, on the board. That's very important for them. It also helps them to raise funds and revenues and ticket sales, etc. It gets all the spotlight on their respective teams, and it's, it's great that you know they managed to back the deal. And then there are quite a few other players as well recently, so sort of signed up with the county. So yeah, I mean it's it's a great go-ahead for them. I would say.
3: There he is, Hirsch Barn, bringing you all the cricket prognostication. Check it out and his friends with all the other sports. Go to againstthenumber.com. Hirsch, uh, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it.
24: Thank you. Thank
3: you. All right. all right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and we have some open lines. Come on in at 1 800 878 Play.
15: In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 If you owe the IRS $5,000 or more in back taxes, call now for a
1: free consultation. Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's 800-732-9635.
4: It doesn't really matter. I, uh, I don't like
1: my job, and, uh... I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
12: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: All right. Thank you for that. Uh, Coming up in the next segment, we have scheduled uh, Alex Horn. And um, if we get him, we'll uh, throw him on the air. And uh, he's a big deal uh, in England. He's so big, he can't even walk through his own door. They have to lift off the roof. And then he just sort of sashays his, his way in. I think that's the way it kind of works that way. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. A couple of things from uh Rob Manfred, the commissioner, got called out by an advisory group after rejecting the premise that minor leaguers aren't paid a living wage because... Earlier this week, the Senate Judiciary Committee asked Rob Manfred to explain the potential impact of stripping the sports antitrust exemption on the minor leaguers. And the committee sent Manfred a letter with several questions that could lead to legislation limiting that antitrust exemption. And so, <clears throat> um, all right, we are, uh, b- by the way... It's an interesting thing that um uh, <laughs> this is live radio uh, by the way uh one way or another and um I'm going to have to get a uh, an update on this this uh, segment right now. Alex Horn is scheduled to appear in the uh, next segment <clears throat> and um but anyway, Rob Manfred was told we're looking forward to providing detailed information to the committee regarding baseball's antitrust exemption and um all right, well, let's go with our guests here. We have Matt Hammett, uh, and um, he is here to um, uh, talk about the new movie Bowen's Heart. Matt, congratulations uh, on making this. I know we're trying to get Sarah as well right now. Tell us a little bit more about what we're talking about here.
19: Yeah, yeah. Hey, Red, good to be with you. I'm sorry. We, we actually, my wife Sarah and I are at the uh, water park with our kids, and we're supposed to have somebody to watch all the kids, and she's actually watching them while I'm on the call, so I apologize. We wanted to see both of us, um, but you're stuck with just the, the, the guy today here. So my wife, as you know, my wife's a much better half than I am, so <laughs> hopefully I do it justice. <laughs> but, um, but you know, yeah, we're, we're excited to be releasing Bowen's Heart, which is a documentary that we made in 2019 when our son Bowen went through his third open heart surgery and my wife and I both have been really involved with other families since 2010 when our son bone was born that was when he had uh, his first two open heart surgeries in the first year of his life and you know I was in a band called Sanctus Real um, that was on Capital Christian Music Group and you know Caleb Network and all these big radio stations and then also ABC News um, featured our story and so we just got all this all these families who started calling us and writing us emailing us just telling us they were going through the same stuff and and families who have been recently diagnosed with you know babies or children with heart disease wanting to know what it would be like to go through all these uh changes you know with a kid having open heart surgery what's it like in your marriage and the siblings and so in 2019 when we were coming up on Bowen's surgery. We thought, well, maybe the best way for us to answer some of these questions for people would to be just let them walk through this with us and be really honest and vulnerable about how it affects our lives. And so Sarah reached out to her friend Lexi, who is a documentary producer for uh, NBC Today show, um, and just said, hey, would you consider making this documentary with us? And her and her husband partnered with us and lived life with us for a couple months while we went through it. And... That documentary is now called Bowen's Heart, and it just released this week.
3: So what was that like with the access and um, the annoyance of, you know, having these cameras in your face? And, um, and what was it like getting acclimated to all that?
19: Yeah, so Lexi and her husband, Zach, um, had gone through losing a child to heart disease already. So they understood the sensitivity around it, which is part of the reason Sarah, well, the biggest reason Sarah reached out to them to begin with. And so Zach uh, was was the DP, so he was shooting everything himself, and he is a brilliant um, director of photography, and he was also very respectful. So it was actually really not as quite as bad as we thought it would be. They kind of, and you feel it when you watch the documentary that they were. He was kind of on the fringes, looking in, and you know, really allowed real life to happen, which is part of what made it so special, too, because he caught some moments that were really, I'm i am actually surprised at some of the honest, emotional, and vulnerable moments he caught, especially with Sarah. And um, you really feel it when you watch it.
3: Well, let's just talk about Bowen. Three open-heart surgeries, is that what it is?
19: Yeah, that's right. So he was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, Um, which means he had half of a heart. Hmm. And so they basically had to do three surgeries on the one ventricle that he did have to help it perform more like a normal heart. He still only lives with half of a heart, but I mean, it's amazing. You know what medicine can do, man, advancements here in the heart world. They've been able to over the past about 30 years, start giving these kids a chance. And so we're grateful, you know, he's, kind of in repair phase after the three surgeries, and it's supposed to last him a while. But at some point, he may need a transplant. So um, it's possible we'll go through this again.
3: That's the thing, too. It's it's not like you're out of the woods. I mean, it's, it's always something. And as he grows, as he develops, as he hits puberty and all that, this is all something that uh, needs to be um, watched so these these cardi yeah. these cardiologists are almost nothing short of miracle workers, aren't they?
19: Oh yeah, they've been incredible. You know, we worked with the doctors at the University of Michigan, Ma Children's Hospital, um, and they were just so gracious. You know, with us as parents and walking us through the right timing of the surgery, and you know, just being willing to to work with us. To, Compassionately, as parents, knowing what we're going through, but also, you know, be honest with us about what things really look like. And and but they are able to do an awful lot, man. It's it's amazing how many lives they save at these heart centers.
3: So, when you're making this, this is obviously as personal as a, as a movie can get. What is it like when the entire country, national television, all the big broadcasters? I mean, they they want to talk to Bowen, uh, you know, hitting 10 years old, they want to talk to you, we got you on. What's it like to get this type of reaction from really the world?
19: Yeah, you know, our goal with all this is hopefully to, and I guess the reason that we share our story is so hopefully other people who are going through similar challenges or going through difficult things in their lives will feel like they're not alone. Um, that was really the biggest thing we wanted you know, people to get from it as a whole and, you know, for other heart families to really be able to see, you know, someone else going through it as well and raise awareness for what these kids go through. And, and so I, you know, it does make, it makes us feel good to know, you know, I'm used to it because I did music for 20 years and, you know, toured the world and did all the media stuff and, and the family's a little used to it. So, you know, at times, uh, it's not always easy being vulnerable, you know, talking about the deepest parts of our lives. But we've seen the value in it. Like, even just, um I think, like, like, gosh, the day after the film released, we had somebody write us immediately. They watched it as soon as it came out, and they said, I'm pregnant with a child with heart disease, and I've been so afraid. And just watching your story just gives me hope, and I know I'm not alone. And so I see these as opportunities to reach more people with that hope, like, hey, we've made it. We got through it, and you can too.
3: No, it's fantastic. We just have about a minute. Talk about Heartstrong, the video.
19: Yeah. So um, Bowen wrote two songs um, and put out an EP about, you know, in 2019, right before his surgery. And the song Heart Strong was really cool because we got a bunch of heart, other kids with heart disease to come into a studio and make a music video. That was just really sweet. I would definitely recommend people look it up. It's definitely a tearjerker and will definitely inspire you for sure. That's, that's, and you can see it on Bowen's Heart uh, YouTube channel.
3: Bowen's Heart, A Broken Heart and Unbreakable Spirit. This is available uh, today on digital and video on demand, Amazon, Apple TV, Tubi, Google Play, uh, Microsoft, coming soon to Roku, DirecTV, Hoopla, just about anywhere uh, you can get this from global uh, digital uh, releasing and uh, we've been sp- speaking with uh, Matt Hammett. Matt, uh, congratulations, knock on wood, everything uh, going well and thanks for coming on and sharing your story, it's definitely inspirational.
19: Yeah, thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. And uh hopefully uh we'll talk to you again sometime.
3: Yeah, no doubt. And uh and they have three other kids as well. But uh you know, this is as they say, you know, heart wrenching, inspirational. Some of the reviews, a beautiful chronicle about love driven resilience in the face of unpredictability, a film that'll break your heart and then piece it back together. Beautiful, inspiring, heartwarming. And something called Movie Reviews 101 gives it a four out of five. What do you hate, children? Four out of five? You hate children. No, I'm just kidding. Once again, uh, Bowen's heart. All right, when we come back, scheduled to appear, Alex Horn uh, from England. We'll do that next on Sports Violent.
1: That's 800-391-8713.
15: Oh, come now, don't be ashamed.
10: We all have our idiosyncrasies.
12: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: All right. What's that all about? Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Uh, It's very exciting now to be joined by a big, big star in the U.K. It is Alex Horn, and he's here to talk about the new season of Taskmasters. It's season 10. It is going to debut Uh, here in the States, as they say, on YouTube and Taskmaster Supermax Plus. Alex, welcome to the show. It is a fantastically successful show, which you co-host, and it is a brainchild from your cranium. How did you come up with it?
25: Uh, Hello, Rick. Um, Good to speak to you. Well, I suppose it is a brainchild from my cranium. Um, The the story is... uh, Thirteen years ago, I had a well, my wife had a child, and um which meant I couldn't uh, have fun for a, a little while. <laughs> uh, I, I used to go to the Edinburgh Fringe. I used, to, I'm, a, I'm a stand-up comedian, and I used to always go to the festival and do things. And I couldn't go for a year. Uh, and whilst I was there, my best friend went, and he won the Edinburgh Comedy Award, and I was very jealous. So I decided to set, set up my own competition, and I, I emailed twenty comedians and said, "Right, I'm going to do this thing called Taskmaster. Every month, I'll set you a challenge. You've got to do it." uh the first one was deposit some money in my bank highest amount of money wins so i got some money to fund the thing that way and and it just it worked so it was born out of jealousy i was jealous of my friends, so i set up my own competition and uh yeah th- my son is now 13 and the program's been going for yeah seven or eight years over here on the telly so it was a bit of luck
3: well you're also a man of letters uh from cambridge which uh i did go to cambridge didn't go punting down the cam did you ever do such a frolic as that
25: (laughs) yeah cambridge has a funny reputation doesn't it It has a reputation for punting down the cam wearing boater hats and being very (laughs) jolly whereas (laughs) what i did there was was stand-up comedy really they've got a brilliant stand-up comedy club uh the footlights but i did go Footlights, yeah, which yeah. again has a weird reputation, but it, it's a great training ground because Cambridge University students are really hard to make laugh because they're very judgmental and clever. So they're a really tough audience. So, I, yeah, I mainly did that. I didn't punt every day. I just punted at the weekends.
3: <laughs> Sounds but good. It, it, but when I think about yeah. the footlights, the first thing I think, of, I think of John Cleese and Graham Chapman and all those Python greats.
25: Yeah, Michael Palin was my hero growing up. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons if, if, if you're interested in comedy and you're applying to university, Cambridge is the obvious place to pick because you just want to follow in their footsteps. And there's every year there's people coming out. So when I was there, uh, when Garth Marenghi uh, sure. was there, there's guys... Yeah, and there's the a guy called Simon Bird who's come out of it Sure. Um, recently. But every every year, it's incredible.
3: Simon Bird's been on the show, of course, The Briefcase no. Wanker, and I think of Garth Moringi and, and teaming up with Matt Berry and those guys. It's genius.
25: Oh, you know your stuff, Rick. Oh, yes. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, Monty Python definitely started it, and people like Fry, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie, mm-hmm. but it's just been consistent, and I don't know what it is because obviously you don't need to go to university to be funny, but I guess... Yeah. You get very ambitious people at Cambridge. You get people who think they are good. You get confident people, and well, that, sometimes that's all it takes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean,
3: you think about as you mentioned Fry and Laurie when they used to do their their little uh, duo the, the comedy. You, I mean, you you can be dumb and be successful for about five minutes, but it's it's born out of intelligence and and being clever, right?
25: Yeah, I think there is different types of cleverness, but I think absolutely comedy. You have to be switched on you have to you know it it is a sense the sense of humor you do have to have a keen sense of what is funny so yeah i think you're i think you're right um but i definitely don't think you need qualifications and don't forget some of the best comedians and don't forget kevin bridges yes kevin bridges at the moment is so funny he's the funniest person (laughs) at the moment i think (laughs) yeah he's definitely not a cambridge type
3: and then uh, emma thompson Came through there mm-hmm. as well, and you don't really think of her as comedy, but uh, she had her chops there as well. All right, we're talking about Taskmasters. we say, Taskmaster, and um, everything in England, you come up with these game shows, you're mad on them, and then we nick them and we bring them over here to America. Have you not sold the rights to this yet? Because I- I'm sure at some point we're going to do our own bastardized version of this.
25: Yeah, that's already happened, Rick. What you're exactly right. What <laughs> we did it for a bit, and then we pitched it to Comedy Central, and they did one season of it, and it was it was half the length, and it was changed in quite a substantial way, and I I liked it, but they didn't like it so much. So it, it I think bastardised was probably the right <laughs> word. Well, I think we wished afterwards that we'd stuck to our guns and done it in exactly the same way. So instead, what we're doing now is um, just showing our version. Seems to be a simple simple right?
3: I mean, speaking of Simon Bird, the the Americans tried an in betweener's, and it just it just didn't work.
25: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whose line is it anyway? Seems to be one of the few things that works both sides of the pond in terms of game shows and panel show type things. Because obviously, The Office is a different beast. Yes. But what we found was we found with Taskmaster because it's been on. You we we used to just put them all up on YouTube, and the more people watching it in America than in England. So. I, th- I feel like there's an appetite for this sort of show. Um, I don't know quite what, yeah, why they don't often work.
3: By the way, where is your BAFTA? Is it in a safety deposit box,
25: or is it on your mantel? You know, I haven't got I I haven't got, we are having <laughs> having some reno- some work done on the kitchen. Everything's in boxes. <laughs> it could be anywhere. I'm I'm proud of it, but I'm not. Um, I'm embarrassed by it as well.
3: Is it right next to your Jurgen Klopp statue?
25: Ah. Uh, Jürgen Klopp would be in pride of place. He's my hero. He's the one person I want on my show, to be honest. All right, let me ask he, you this.
3: You're you're walking down the street. On one side is Peter Beardsley. On the other side is Ian Rush. Do you go to Pete or or Rushy?
25: I'm straight to Rush. I'm mm. straight to Rush. And I'm describing watching his goal against Everton in the FA Cup final when we won 3-1 and he hit the camera over with the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm telling him about that and I'm telling him to grow his moustache again. And, yeah, it, it's all about rush for me. I wanted to be in rush when I was a kid. I don't, wow. know, if, I don't know if that's possible still.
3: Well, I just see, I'm, it's just, I thought you were going to say you wanted to be Kenny Dog, Dog Leash, but he's a little before your time.
25: Yeah, well, he was player manager when, they, when right. they, the team they won the double in '85. I, yeah, I, could, I don't think we should spend all the time talking about Liverpool, but <laughs> I, I would happily do that.
3: No, I remember they, when they brought in Gerard Houllier and um, Roy. Well, they were they had dual managers, and it's like that was mm. never – all right, well, we won't talk about the rebel. So tell us about season 10 because you guys have to keep coming up with clever things, and that, I'm sure, is a double-edged sword because it's mouth wateringly challenging. But on the other hand, there's a lot of pressure on you.
25: Yeah, well, I think what's happened is I've stopped being a comedian, and instead of my full-time job is coming up with these ideas. Mm. So my brain used to be – if I was walking around the shops – I see something funny and think, oh, I can write a joke about that. And now I walk around the shops and see uh, like one of those hoovers that goes by itself. And I think, oh, there, there must be a talk in that. So I've just sort of rewired my brain, I suppose. And I, I don't think, I don't think of it as hard work at all. I just, um, I just, <laughs> I really enjoy doing it. So it, it doesn't feel too much pressure. And there's so many brilliant comedians who've not been on the show yet. So in series 10, that's season 10 with you guys, there's a guy called Johnny Vegas and, Daisy May Cooper, who is just an incredible actress and person, who i would wanted to be on the show for years and years. And yeah, that happens each time. There's there's a couple of people in each series who are big names, and then a couple of people who I love, who people I haven't heard of yet, who would chuck in as well. So I I feel like the well is not nearly dry yet.
3: Well, I know you got um, a run here, and and someone that we both love because I'm a Spurs man. How about Crouchy? Can you get him in there? I know you, he's a
25: friend of yours. Yeah. Well, we do we do a one one show every year without comedians. We have um, we've had sports people on. We've not had a footballer, but a crouch would be ideal. He's one uh, inch taller than Greg Davis, although he he always tells everyone he's six foot seven because he was embarrassed to be six foot nine. But he yeah. He's he's not as funny as Greg, but he's he's up there. He's pretty. He would be ideal.
3: Greg Davis, of course, uh, co-hosting with our guest Alex Horn. The new season of Taskmasters, season ten. Make sure to check it out. Taskmaster, Super Mac Plus, and YouTube. Alex, uh, thanks for coming on. And if you're ever in uh, California, come on by the studio. We'd love to have you.
25: we Will do, Rick. I, I, I'll be there tomorrow.
3: <laughs> All right, sounds good. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast. And um, oh, now I get a text saying he can stay longer than 50. Oh, that's great. Do you see that? <laughs> uh, you, well, this is the thing, too, <clears throat> that I wanted to ask him about is that he's now an uh, avid bird watcher, which to me is uh, about as snoozerific as you could possibly uh, have. All right, one thing I wanted to talk about here, which I think is interesting. I was the only guy, and I remember the only time Greg Papa got mad at me on Chronicle Live is when I said, Namdi Awesome wa, isn't that good, and he doesn't tackle And he pretends to be blocked and he goes, he's as tough as they come. He sticks people. He's, he's great. He's one of the best corners. I go, he's so overrated. He's so overrated. And I watched him with binoculars. He made me sick. By the way, I've met him twice. He's a nice guy, (laughs) but he, he was smart. He went to Cal. He knew that if he just pretended to block people that they'd say, oh, anyway, he signed a I bring him up because he signed a 5-year, $60 million contract with the Eagles, 25 million guaranteed. And his teammates saw in day 1, well, this is the thing. On the I Am an Athlete podcast, former Eagles corner Asante Samuel described Awesomewah as overrated. He was asked to talk about the first thing that comes to mind when he hears Awesome Ma's name. And he said, quote, The first thing that comes to mind is how the NFL can really manipulate, control the narrative to make things seem real when they are not. You can't make up no excuses for the level of play if it falls this low from one team to another. You can't be this good over here, and then you come over here, and all of a sudden you ain't that good because of this and that? Hmm. Well, this is the thing. Y'all got tricked. That's what it was. And they say, well, you know, Asamoah only surrendered uh, one touchdown when he was with the uh, Raiders, and then he allowed nine in his first season with the Eagles. That's because Asamoah would just hang around by the sideline. LaShawn McCoy told a story about Asamoah's first one-on-one practice, and everybody thought it was a big deal that he came in, and then tight end Brent Selleck beat him on a post corner, ran right by him. He thought, how can you have a tight end run right by you? And so the Eagles cut him. And then he went to the Niners, who cut him. And then the Raiders led him back with a one day contract. I got nothing personally against the guy, but I used to watch him and I thought, this guy isn't good. But you talk about building the narrative. I was the only guy who ever said that until this podcast. I am vindicated. Just like Mike Trout listening to me and deciding to play in the WBC, more people are tuning in. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Violet.
13: You
12: must be crazy. Use a DOG. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: All right, a couple minutes left in the uh, show. Another extravaganza. We only had one open segment. And uh, lots of interesting guests, as always. Rick, how do you do it? How do you jump from topic to topic? You're so talented. No one in the country does what you do. <laughs> Thank you, myself. Thank you. <laughs> I remember when Al uh, Andrew Wiggins, before the season started, he said he wasn't going to get vaxxed, and then he did. And I felt, I felt bad for him. As a Warrior fan, I wanted him to because we needed him. I mean, he's not like Steph or Clay, but we needed him. And he did get vaccinated, and he had an amazing season. But he told Fansided yesterday, I still wish I didn't get vaccinated, to be honest with you. I did it and I was an all-star this year and champion, so that was the good part, just not missing out on the year. The best year of my career, but for my body, I just don't like putting all that stuff in my body. So I didn't like that, and I didn't like that it wasn't my choice. I didn't like that it was either get this or don't play. Now, Wiggins is in the final season of his rookie extension he got with the T-Wolves, $147 million. And so they asked him, what are you going to do after this year? He said, I would love to stay here. Being here, this is top-notch. The way they treat the players, we're all one big family. I feel like a lot of places may say that, but they show it through their actions. So <clears throat> Andrew Wiggins is a very quiet guy, and uh, he's just being honest. And uh, for people who believe that the vax is harmful, um, I can see him being a little bit, you know, regretful for I just like I said, it was either take take this medicine, quote unquote medicine, or you can't play. And right now he made the smart decision. We'll see down the road. But I believe it was a smart decision. Look what he had. He was not just an all star. He was an all star starter, which is absolutely astounding. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. We'll do it again right here on Sports Byline.